CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Let's just kiss and say goodbye. The Benjirovsky Show starts now. <laughs> It is Tuesday, October 29th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, our Chicago Reader colleague and Ben's new first Tuesday co-host, Maya Duke-Masava, will join us. TIFF guru Tom Tresser will be in the building, so you know Ben's going to be nerding out with that guy. And Nicole Cantello of the Environmental Protection Agency. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling it Tossing Around Tuesday. And here's why. Great weekend. You have a good weekend, D? Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, sure. I had a great weekend. Where are you going to say what you said? Uh, it was two days ago getting out of business. Uh, let me just say I had hung out with some friends, saw a football game, read a set, uh, 2020. Uh, saw, went to a party and watched uh, Chance the Rapper Saturday Night Live wearing his red Chicago Teachers Union sweatshirt. Yo, Chance, thank you. Uh, saw an opera, Santa Lucia. Oh, God. <laughs> I did see an opera and uh, ate chicken for dinner and got new shoes. Oh, let me see. Oh, wow, those are yeah, boots. Man, those aren't shoes. Those are on. boots. You know what they say about these boots? They were made for walking. And uh, so anyway, uh, feeling really good. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, woke up today back to our work. Day nine of the teacher strike. When's it going to end? I thought it was going to end. When I went to bed last night, the teachers union had sent out a message. We're going to stay up all night, whatever it takes to settle the strike. And apparently they couldn't cut the deal. It seems it's like uh, they have a difference of agreement, D, on how much money uh, divides them. The teachers say it's $38 million. Uh, Lori Lightfoot and her allies, allies say it's $100 million. I say sp- split the difference, D. Add 38 to 100, divide by two. Hold on. That's $69 million. That's correct. <laughs> that's nothing. Man, you got that much in the Tiff Petty cash drawer. Just take it out and end this strike once and for all, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Anyway... When I got my bright one today, uh, landing on the front porch as it does every day because I'm a home subscriber, D. Yes, I subscribe. I found the breaking news from Fran Spielman, a City Hall reporter for the Sun-Times. That's Fran Spielman, host of the Fran Spielman Show, which, as you know, D, is now broadcast right from this very room that we share. We share with Fran Spielman. Yeah. Oh, she actually gave me a note here to read for you. Let me see here. Tell Ben to pick up his mess. Is that avocado I see on the... Oh, goodness. Yeah, ben. and she also gave me a note, okay, for Dennis. Okay, Ben, oh. tell Dennis to put the bong away, oh. all right, and stop spilling the bong water, all right? Now so you learned th- how to do the note gag. <laughs> it's a great gag. Well, like, I didn't have a piece of paper. I had to use the Sun-Times. <laughs> anyway, great story by France Billen uh, in the Sun-Times. Breaking news. All right, this is going to be kind of complicated, folks. So uh, you got you got to follow me on this one. Uh, so let's see. Uh, last week in her budget address, Lori Lightfoot was saying that she took three hundred million from the TIFs and paid one hundred sixty million of it to the schools. She bragged about it, like she's a fiduciary wizard. Then it turns out, according to Fran, she took sixty million back to pay from the schools to pay the pensions, and thirty-three million from the schools to pay for police. Are you following that? That means ninety-three million went to the schools and went out of the schools. <laughs> moving stuff around the table, moving all these this money around the table. That's ninety-three million. Heck, that could solve the strike. Even if you take Lori's numbers uh, for granted, if you say it's hundred million that divides them, there you go. We just figured out how to solve the strike. Get the teachers back to work. Just take the ninety-three million that was t- given to the schools and take it away from the schools. Money is like chess men being moved around the board. Mine reminds me of the time, uh, young Dennis, many years ago when I was writing yet another article about TIFFs and how uh, Mayor Rahm, I think it was Mayor Rahm at the time, was taking uh, sc- money from the schools to pay for a TIFF project. It was probably the DePaul, DePaul basketball arena that I was writing about at the time. Anyway, one supporter of Rahm, 
uh, wrote in to say that I was misleading the public, that the money is not fungible. That's the word he used, D. I'm like, fungible? And these mayoral aides, they're not dumb people. They know they're smart. Fungible is one of those AT, uh, ACT words. Like you score high in the ACT, you know what fungible. I didn't know what it me meant, D. I got to tell you the honest truth. I had to look What's it up. What's the word again? Fungible. Oh, it sounds like something like with fungus. I know. It does sound very fungusy. So anyway, went to the dictionary. I actually have a dictionary. And I looked up F-U-N-G-I-B. Basically means interchangeable. Hmm. And he was saying the money is not interchangeable. Okay? So if the mayor says it can only be spent on the DePaul basketball arena in the loop, in the South Loop, it can only be spent there. So don't mislead the people and say that it can be spent in the schools. And then I wake up and read in today's Fran Spielman story that the mayor sent, took, took TIF money from the public schools, then sent it back to the public schools, then took it back from the public schools to pay for the pensions. All right. So here's the deal on interchangeability of money uh, in the city of Chicago. It's interchangeable when they want it to be interchangeable, and it's not interchangeable when you want it to be interchangeable. So basically, they're always right and you're always wrong. When listening to any mayor or any budget guru, it pays to remember what Dennis always says about Mayor Rahm before Mayor Rahm says anything. And what is that, D? He's smart. You're not. That is correct. We got a great show today, everyone. Maya Dubasifa will be here, and she'll be talking about schools, and she'll be talking about 90s pop culture. D, you'll really dig this, man. Take a chill pill, man. Yeah, sorry, Rom. <laughs> I miss you, Rom. Uh, and uh, she'll be talking about 90s pop culture and how it's responsible for Donald Trump. Yeah, interesting stuff from Maya. She's all fired up to talk okay. about that. Uh, and, of course, she'll be talking about the teacher strike. Uh, young Tom Tresser will be in the studio. Mr. Tiff from the Tiff Illumination Project. Uh, yes, we'll be geeking out. Uh, Tom, Tom's the guy who uh, who actually goes through 145 different annual TIF reports and counts the amount of money that's in reserve. Like he's the one guy in the city of Chicago who's like tallying up how much money, how much of your property tax dollars is sitting in bank accounts unused. Uh, so Tom will be going through the number. He's been making the like the circuit D. He's been everywhere. He came out with a report and now he's just like making the circuit. You know what I'm saying? I, I expect one day to turn on uh, uh, Jimmy uh, Fallon and to see Tom Tresser. Well, the way it works, Jimmy, is that the TIFF money goes here and there. You know? Get a good look at this room, live streamers. It's going to get real dorky here in about an hour. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so young Tom Tresser will be here in the studio. And of course, Nicole Cantello from the EPA, uh, the workers, uh, president of Local 704, American Federation of Government Employees. Uh, she'll be talking about the Trump march. She'll be talking about their ongoing battle. Uh, Donald Trump is basically, basically waging war against uh, governmental employees, and particularly those at the EPA. He hates EPA employees. Why? Because they're fighting to uh, enforce rules and regulations that protect the environment. And according to Donald Trump, we, there's no need to protect the environment. This is as uh, forest fires rage uh, throughout the state of California. It's not even forest fires, just fires raging throughout the state of California, Los Angeles, uh, and uh, up north uh, in the Bay Area as well. So uh, we'll have Nicole Cantello in here talking about the EPA, Donald Trump, the big market yesterday Donald Trump came to town had a lot of interesting things to say suddenly he's very interested uh, in Chicago politics and Eddie Johnson and uh, I think he, he didn't weigh in on the on the teacher strike and he did not weigh in on the TIF program I'm really disappointed you know you would think a conservative Republican like Donald Trump who is always talking about draining the swamp would weigh in about the TIF program but when they're spending public dollars on private developers that's not waste, everybody. It's only waste when they spend public dollars on poor kids. Got that, D? All right, very good. So we got plenty of political talk ahead of us, but before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the pride and joy of the 618, the man they call the doctor with the news. Hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> All right, before we unpack the uh, Chicago and or Illinois news happening this afternoon, what's so funny? It always cracks me up, that little exchange. You go, <laughs> not a doctor. <laughs> Let's go to the live stream chat room. Uh, they're weighing in today. Uh, before we do the news here, Brianna weighed in. Oh, by the way, um, people, if you're on the download, we're trying to figure out a good Halloween costume for our host, Ben Jarofsky. We're going to be doing the show on Halloween, and this is when I try to twist our host's arm to dress up. So. Maybe I should be like uh, Brad Pitt. 
from oh, Once Upon a Time okay. in Hollywood, which is my favorite. I don't movie. know if you have that much time to uh, prepare well, for your uh, actually costume. all it just is to, I have a Hawaiian shirt at home and I have blue jeans. Bada boom, bada bing. There you go. You can look like Brad Pitt's uh, great uncle or something. <laughs> uncle, ah, Paul uncle Pitt. <laughs> All right. Um, Brianna, I could be Paul Rudd from his new TV show. Oh, there you go. Who pretty much just dressed exactly the way I'm dressing right now. Well, I think you should take Brianna's suggestion. Brianna says, uh, dress up as a Tiff slush font. <laughs> that way, Lori will come on the show. That's what she That's actually... Yep. Could you send her something for that day? Uh, Some Brianna. steak knives or something? Yeah, it's in the mail, Brianna. That's actually pretty funny. I'll, that's what I'll do. I'll dress up. As, I have money you know, coming out of my ears and stuff. All right, and we got here uh, Barry weighs in. Barry says he's uh, he's at his favorite watering hole. He listens uh, while at the bar, I guess. He'll have a scotch. Uh, and he says, who's Roach Clip? I, if you're watching a live stream, <laughs> let me it's actually mine. Uh, that's one of the other things Fran Spielman was complaining about. Get the Roach Clips out of the studio d how many times do i have to tell you leave the roach Ugh. clips in the back room or social right. life and work life have <laughs> crossed paths again sorry uh, about that i haven't everybody. heard the word roach clip in a long time man <laughs> All right, everybody, let's unpack the Chicago and or Illinois news happening this afternoon. Send your suggestions for Ben's costume our way. I like that. Benny J show. Tiff, I like the Tiff uh, fun thing. I think I'll come as the Tiff fun. Locally, yes, President Donald Trump was in town Monday. And yeah, guys, he hates Chicago. Surprise! <laughs> uh, no, wait, hold on. No, let me just amend that. Okay. He wasn't complaining about Chicago when he donated 50 G's to Mayor Rahm's campaign fund, young Dennis. That's okay. correct. All right. He wasn't complaining about Chicago when Mayor Rahm allowed the city to put that Trump sign on his building. Is that correct? That's correct. Thank you. So, yeah, he kind of, I think he kind of has a secret like, and he was not complaining about Chicago when he uses it to bash, bash us and fire up his uh, supporters. So I think Donald Trump likes Chicago a little more Aww. than he lets on, D. Pizza's pretty good. All right, Ben, uh, were you one of those out in the streets protesting the president Monday? Were you out there with the sign? I would have, but I was writing a column. Oh, damn. <laughs> I'm in good content. It's a busy Monday for me. All right, I'm sure we'll be discussing Trump's visit to Chicago throughout oh, today's show. Oh, by the show. way, what? since you mentioned Trump, I have to say, what? guess who's coming back tomorrow? Oh, okay, yeah. Young Monroe Anderson, back from the coast. Now, he spent three weeks uh, hanging out poolside somewhere in L.A. He's got sunglasses on and everything. He's been hanging out with Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, I think. And uh, he's all fired up, man. I talked to him today. He goes, yeah, I'll be there. I'm talking Trump, Trump, Trump. I know that's tomorrow, show D. Uh, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. But when you said Trump, I thought... Monroe Anderson, he's back. So I'm sure we'll be discussing that tomorrow, and we'll be talking about Trump's visit throughout today's show. So for the time being, mm -hmm. we're not going to talk about it. All right. Besides, guys, who needs Trump when you have some of the most shadiest, sellout, <laughs> scumbag politicians that we may ever see in our lives, homegrown right here in Illinois? Mm. There's nothing quite like the state of Illinois when it comes to corruption. We have a former governor who tried selling a Senate seat. Hey! He's in jail now. Yeah, but too many years. Let him out already. Okay? We got an alderman who shook down a Burger King in his ward. You know. He's he, been indicted. He was just looking out for the people. Okay. <laughs> the feds are here all the time, raiding an elected official's office once every couple weeks. Hold on. Uh-oh. That could be them. Please, you scare me with that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Freaks me out. And hey, what do you know? Bingo! We have another one to add to the list. Whichever uh, one of you playing along had State Rep. Louis Arroyo <laughs> on your card, yeah. come and claim your prize. Oh my God. Illinois Democratic State Rep. Louis Arroyo has been charged with allegedly offering a state senator who was wired with a mic $2,500 a month in bribes to support electronic sweep, uh, sweepstakes related legislation. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, John Seidel, Mark Brown, and Tina Fondellas. State Rep. Louis Arroyo stood outside a Highland Park restaurant last August, looked Democratic Vernon Hills Senator Terry Link in the eye and assured him, quote, whatever you tell me stays between you and me. Yeah. <laughs> you and me in the front page of the Tribune and the Sun-Times. Then hoping to move sweepstakes gaming legislation forward in Springfield, Arroyo gave the lawmaker a nudge by telling him, quote, we could put you on a contract. Tell me what you need. <laughs> oh, I imagine he said That's like, wow, what a... You, Dude, you're like Rich Little with these invitations. Big <laughs> time millennials. Weeks later, Arroyo allegedly gave the senator the first of what he promised would become monthly payments 
of $2,500. This is the jackpot, Arroyo <laughs> allegedly boasted as he handed over the check. Uh, Trouble is, the feds were listening oh, as Arroyo cut his deal. The 13-page criminal complaint unsealed Monday against Arroyo reveals the on and off cooperation with the FBI of the state senator who wore a wire on Arroyo in hopes of landing a reduced sentence for filing false income tax returns. Senator Link was a chief architect of the gambling package that cleared Springfield. All right, Benny J, tell us what you know about Louis Arroyo. Are you surprised by any of this? And what the hell is going on with all these sleazeball Democratic politicians in the land of Lincoln? All right, let me just start off by saying uh, Terry Link denies that he was the state senator wearing the wire. He told the tri Tribune that it was not him. Mm. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, but Louis Arroyo uh, was once on our old radio show, D. I don't know if you remember that. And he was he, at the time. Well, he did make me an offer I couldn't refuse yes, in the he did. break room. So, I mean. <laughs> Dennis, I love you. <laughs> uh, okay, he did not actually come to the studio. You know, it's not like I never f forget things like this, D, but sometimes I never forget them. He was one of those guests who said, I'll be there. And then all of a sudden, like the day of the show, I can't make it. So I'll call in. Remember those kinds of guests, D? <laughs> oh, my, God, my favorite kind. You love them. Yeah, I love those guests. Uh, I can't make it. Oh, okay, great. Uh, Anyway, so he came on at the time he was thinking about running for Cook, uh, Cook County Democratic chair, uh, the chairman of the Cook County party against Tony Preckwinkle. Uh, he was claiming that he had the votes lined up to actually beat her. And then something happened and he didn't run in that race, but he came on our show to talk about it. Uh, so a great moment in the Ben Jarofsky show history. Louis Arroyo, the day Louis Arroyo came on. And by the way, your imitation of him is really uh, just a magnificent uh, imitation. All right, folks, Louis Arroyo is a product of the Democratic machine. He got his start thanks to Dick Mel, uh, the former alderman of the 33rd Ward, for, former committeeman of the 33rd Ward, and the father-in-law, the aforementioned Blagojevich. Uh, Dennis just alluded to uh, Rob Blagojevich in the federal penitentiary in Colorado. I think we can all agree that he should be should have been let out a long ago 14 years is way too much for whatever he did don't know why he's in prison and donald trump is not uh since donald trump was tr essentially trying to do the same thing uh with ukraine that uh blagojevich was doing with contractors in which is shake him down anyway enough on blagojevich arroyo got his start thanks to mel worked his way up the ranks became a state rep became a big powerhouse and he was always fighting with joe barrios and now joe barrios to his credit when he said he was coming to the studio. He would show up to the studio, D, right? You remember that? And Arroyo was always fighting with Barrios. And Arroyo had the, got the upper hand in a few of the elections. He was looking like the big man on the northwest side. He's going to replace Barrios. Well, it turns out uh, he was a little too big for his britches, D. And uh, so he was bragging about cutting deals uh, on kickbacks and everything with some unknown state senator who may have been Terry Link, but may not be Terry Link. I guess we have to uh, wait and see. But D, Chicago politics, Chicago Democrats. I'm a loyal Democrat. I've been a Democrat my, all my life. But these Democrats, man, <laughs> they just wear me out. The only reason I stay loyal to the Democratic Party, D, is because, in my humble opinion, the alternative is far worse. Not only is the Republican Party sleazy, but the policies they implement work against everything I believe in. But Lord, 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 these Democrats make it hard on me, D, especially these Cook County Democrats, always wheeling and dealing. And you know what? It's like you figure one corruption, they go, we're going to root out corruption. Every year, it seems like there's another corruption case that emerges. What are they going to learn? You know, it's like, oh, it's just us talking. Yeah. Do you ever heard anybody wearing a wire? It's like three different wires in this town right now. Notice how I'm silent now after the show when we talk? I think you're wired. <laughs> I'm on to you. Yeah. Hold it. Uh, city club gate. <laughs> I haven't got. I haven't gotten over city club gate, D. And now I got to worry about a royal gate. So yeah, the Democrats. Uh, and it, by the way, the stakes are so low. What was he giving the guy? Twenty five hundred? Is that what it was allegedly? Twenty five hundred. I'd live like a king off twenty five hundred a month. Well, after a month or so. Oh, it's. But I thought it was just a one shot deal. You saying it's every month? Yeah, yeah. I said he was going to do a monthly deal. Oh, a month. Whoa. In that case, hey, come on off. <laughs> oh, you didn't say. I must have misread that. I thought it was just a one. Oh well, you know. I, well, hmm, would I sell my soul for twenty five hundred a month?
can I get um, back to you on that one? Yeah, that's a tough oh. question. On one hand, 2,500 a month is 2,500 a month. On the other hand, only got one soul. Mm-hmm. I have to think about that one and get back to you. Anyway, my beloved Democrats, you let me down again. Uh, and I stay, why I stay loyal to you? Well, once again, it's because the alternative is far worse. How about they can rent my soul for 1,100 a month? How about All that? right, let's cut a deal on that one. Renaissance style. All right. Uh, going to the live stream chat again here. Uh, Kyle says, dress up like Gar Foreman for Halloween so you can talk about the Bulls. Oh, any excuse. By the way, Gar Foreman, who is the general manager of the Chicago Bulls, uh, dresses a lot like me anyway. So I could just show up the way I am and go, hey, I'm Gar Foreman. I'm going to make a bad draft choice. By the way, can I just say this about the Bulls? Since he, a, a listener raised the su- subject, why didn't they play Kobe White last night? Please explain that to me, okay? And that's <laughs> the sports talk for today. Sorry, okay. All right, Stephen weighs in and says, Ben can shave his head <laughs> and dress up like Dr. D, sit at a computer, and then Dr. D can wear a bull's hat and talk about tiffs until his face is pink. That is a great idea. And Role I can, reversal. Role reversal. I can talk about stuff that happens in Alton. All right, I can talk about the cookie man who makes that great marijuana cookie. Let's do that. Thursday, I'll be you, and you'll be me. All right? That's all you do when you think of me. That's all you think of, huh? Just marijuana cookies. Well, that and you know how to handle the board. Okay. It would be totally disastrous if you put me behind. Uh, Dennis, how do I do this again? Oh, God, move over. Anyway, uh, I think we should just keep our roles as we have them, D. All right, we're moving on to the news of the day in Chicago. It's moving now on up. moving on up. Moving on up. Mm-hmm. Please stop singing. It's now day nine of the Chicago teacher strike. And for the ninth day in a row, school is canceled. There are so many excited kids right now. <laughs> no, I know. It's always that funny how the adults are. I feel sorry for the kids. Yeah, I've seen one kid go, oh, boy, I really miss school. No, it's not. It's not funny, D. It's very serious. Even after a 16-hour meeting between both parties, still no deal. As the Sun-Times put it, frustrated and exasperated negotiators from the Chicago Public Schools and the Chicago Teachers Union emerged from behind closed doors early Tuesday without an agreement, despite saying that they would stay at the table until they struck a deal. Yeah, they got a little tired. We have audio to play from the mayor during her press conference, but before we do that, Ben, I have to ask you, you kind of mentioned it earlier here, nine days. Do you think the strike would go this long? Well, I didn't think there would be a strike, so why, you know, I'm the worst person to ask about that. But uh, I uh, nine days. I figured they could have settled this thing last week, but um, what do I know? D, I'm not at the table. Nobody's at the table except the people at the table, and apparently they they can't stand the sight of each other. Uh, I recall from my own limited experience with negotiations, and uh, Maya can remember this because she was at the table with me as well when we were dealing with the old bosses of the Chicago Sun-Times who have since uh, moved on. It was very difficult, and uh, from time to time, the other side would feel compelled to lecture us. Remember those great lectures, Maya, that would come from the other negotiators on the other side? They would lecture us, which you don't understand about the Taft-Hartley bill. Then they would start talking about the Taft-Hartley bill, and nobody on my side of the table knew what the heck the Taft Hartley bill was so negotiations do you ever been in negotiations it's one side wants the other side to give up something the other side doesn't want to give it up and so you know since none of them are missing school you know it's like they got all day to negotiate so I don't know it's pretty uh, to quote Stacey Davis Gates it's pretty petty they probably could have settled it last week but I'm not at the table so I don't really know what's being said all right, our Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Duke-Mosfa, has joined us. Maya, you can help us out here. Uh, we're going to be doing the show on Halloween. Be thinking of a good Halloween costume that Ben can wear for the live stream. A Chica- Chicago Bull. A Chicago Bull. All right. That's all you need, Ben. <laughs> I can just put on a bull's hat. Bada boom, bada bing. Okay? Bada boom, bada bing. What was, how come no one's falling in with my Brad Pitt idea from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, all <laughs> Take right? Take a guess. Take a guess why. I'm going to be Brad Pitt, okay? I'm Brad Pitt. <laughs> Brad Pitt's weird uncle. By all the right. way, I cannot wait to take the deep dive with Maya about 90s pop culture folks hang around for that when we're done talking schools and we're done talking about eviction court uh we have maya on 90s pop culture d you can weigh in on that because that's something that's your wheelhouse all right right? 90s pop culture can't wait all right first up let's talk about the teachers this morning thousands of teachers began marching at 8 30 a.m from oscar mayor magnet school in lincoln park meyer my i was assuming that it wasn't but okay to the nearby site of they went to lincoln airs well they went right across the street from the hideout the bar that maya and i 
will be uh, uh, at, uh, situated at uh, next Tuesday for first Tuesday. But anyway, they went right across the street from the hideout to the little soccer field that's like ground zero for the Lincoln Yards mega development, which will cost you, the taxpayers, about $1.3 a billion, that's billion with a B, of your property tax dollars over the next 23 years. You know, it's funny. It's always interesting uh, the way, Maya and I are going to be talking about this in a little while, but it's always interesting the way that defenders of TIF programs, whenever anyone in the city of Chicago dares to point out that our priorities may be out of whack because we have $1.3 billion for an upscale development in an already gentrifying neighborhood that does not need a boost to, to develop, they'll say, well, Ben, you don't understand <laughs> Funny you, little <laughs> silly little you. Uh, that's one point three billion over twenty three years. So it's not like it's sitting in a bank right now. Oh, duh! I'm so dumb. I didn't know that, dude. If you could commit one point three billion for an upscale development in an already gentrifying neighborhood that doesn't need the boost anyway, then you could commit $1.3 billion to hire nurses and counselors and social workers and librarians and teachers in uh, poor schools. But I think the reality is you don't want those people in the neighborhoods around the poor schools hanging around the city of Chicago. So just let those schools starve, fall apart. Then you go, see, that's how the marketplace works. People don't want to go there, Ben. Stop trying to boost up the public school system when the people are walking on their own out of the system. Anyway, D, sorry about that. That's why they showed up at Lincoln Yards to sort of dramatize uh, the whacked out priorities of a city that would spend $1.3 billion on an upscale development in an already gentrifying neighborhood when it says it cannot afford nurses, teachers. Teachers, students, and even our dear friend and grassroots organizer, Amisha Patel, stepped up to the podium to speak. Once again, the streets of the city are red because the streets belong to the people. Misha Patel, a frequent guest on the Ben Jarofsky Show. It seems like uh, the Ben Jarofsky Show guests are getting a lot of playing time, D, uh, in the mainstream media these days, thanks to this teacher strike, huh? All right, now to the mayor. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, along with CPS CEO Janice Jackson, gave us the update after their 16-hour meeting with the teachers. Get the coffee going. Here is the mayor. It was a late night, and I want to thank um, all the people who were involved and at the table till well past 2 a.m. <clears throat> we came so close, um, nearly to a tentative agreement, on the big, biggest issues um, at stake. The two that CTU defined for us as their core issues, class size and staffing. These are the issues that CTU has told us from day one are the most critical to getting a deal done. For months, We've heard the union say they needed additional support staff and class size uh, relief on top of the generous compensation package on the table that will pay the average teacher nearly $100,000 a year. And so we made significant compromises to resolve these issues. $70 million in additional staffing, including a nurse and a social worker in every school, in writing. $25 million in class size relief, in writing commitments to direct additional resources toward our high-needs schools. We put it all in writing because of, on, on these matters, we fundamentally agree with the union. Our students need and deserve fully staffed, fully resourced schools. And our teachers can do their best work with manageable class sizes. All told, this is a half a billion dollar offer. And yet we still do not have a deal. All right, if you're in fundamental agreement with the teachers on these issues, why did it take a strike to get you to make this agreement? And if you're in a fundamental agreement with the teachers on the issues, why is this a compromise? A compromise implies that you gave something up. So if you're fundamentally in agreement with the teachers, why wasn't this something you were offering from the day you were sworn in as mayor? That's what I'm saying, D. A lot of posturing on on both sides. A lot of pre I open up the newspaper every day, and people or people call me up every day. Go, Ben, why can't you get your your? They always call Stacy Davis. Why can't your girl back on? You're like Stacy Davis Gates listens to me every day. Get your girl to go back to school. Get the teachers back to work. They got what they wanted. I'm like, if if it was something that the mayor fundamentally agreed on from the get go, why did it take a strike to get here? 
Why does it always take a strike? Like people in the streets of the city of Chicago to get the city of Chicago to allocate resources to things that people want. I just, I find that hard uh, to just wrap my brain around. I just wrote about this last week in regards to Amazon. Plenty of money for Amazon, but there was no money uh, for the schools that took a strike to get it. So I'm glad that they're close, D. I mean, can I just jump in here? Go ahead. And remind folks about the conditions that, some of our students in the city of Chicago are trying to learn in. Um, attendance numbers from uh, this year, these were preliminary because I guess the, the CPS still hasn't released the final numbers, but okay, Simeon High School in Auburn Gresham, 98% black, 90% low income. Uh, geometry classes, of 40 students at Simeon. Uh, human geography classes, 39 students. Physics, 39 students. Advanced algebra with trigonometry, 38 students. Biology classes, 38 students. All right? And you may think to yourself, all right, these are high school students who, you know, can deal with being in a classroom for what, you know, however long the lesson is, uh, you know, you assume that folks know how to behave themselves by the time they're in, you know, advanced algebra with trigonometry. Okay, the assumptions, right? But all right, what about the elementary schools? Walter Q. Gresham Elementary School, also in Albert Gresham, a level one plus school, but 97 plus, uh, it's 97% uh, black, 96, almost 97% low income. A pretty good school, right? Which is probably all the more reason why there's so many students there. Third grade classrooms with 49 students. 49 students in a third grade classroom. Do you, have you ever been around 49 third graders? <laughs> like, can you imagine, can you imagine being in a room with 49 third graders? Yeah, that's way too many. Yeah, I, That's like twice <laughs> as what, at least twice as much as what you should have. It, it, even per the contract now. Yeah. Like they're not supposed to have this many students and, and there's like no, nothing is being done to enforce the current caps. Uh, you know, then you've got a class of 45 sixth graders at Skinner, which is uh, a level one plus school. It's it's uh, in the near west, near here, actually. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, generally like a, a, a very desirable school, uh, racially diverse, um, you know, for, 45 students in a, in a class of sixth graders. There's there's a bunch of other schools. I mean, most of the elementary schools, the top 20 elementary schools with with just enormous, enormous uh, class sizes are all majority black, majority low income schools. I mean, Frank Bennett Elementary, it's 95% uh, black, 92% low income, 42 kindergartners in mm. one class. <laughs> 42 kindergartners, wow. Can you imagine no. being with 42, like five or six year olds mm -mm. in a room trying to teach them something? No, just trying to just trying to keep your mind together. So, and this isn't like a new thing. Yeah. I mean, j like the student, you know, the teachers at 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 uh, Bond Elementary that I wrote about last week, uh, they were saying that like this year it wasn't even as bad as, for example, a year or two ago, where you know one of the second grade teachers there had thirty eight students, thirty eight second graders, and. So if I know what from what I hear, the mayor will not budge on a five year contract that it has to be a five year contract. So, I mean, I can see that there's, it's all the more reasons why they're fighting so hard to get these class sizes lower. Because five years is an entire elementary education for a student. It, five years in which you can just wind up year after year being a kid in a, in a class with 40 other students, getting your elementary education, and God forbid you might have special needs, God forbid you might have some kind of, you know, psychological issues, emotional issues, because you're not getting what you need at home. You've got, you know, stressful situations going on in your neighborhood. You're not getting enough to eat. Like a lot of these students are what this, this is like, this is generations. This is generations of, of students in our city who are not getting their basic needs met, like much less a proper education because of the conditions we've created in our schools. So, you know, I think a lot of people, from what I hear, a lot of people who aren't like 
immediately touched by these issues either because they work in the schools or you know are related to people who work in the schools or have children going to these schools a lot of people look at the strike and and you know they're like well why you know why can't they why 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 did it ha- why do they have to go out on strike you know why didn't they uh why can't they deal with the mayor you know in 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 the course of normal negotiations and blah 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 and it's like i i think that um the, the, the predominant narrative that's come out from both the city and also various, you know, mainstream media establishment and the editorial boards and stuff. It's like, well, like, here is what's possible. Here are the rules. We can't, like, move money from here to there. <laughs> the TIF funds don't have anything to do with the school yeah. budget, which is like a separate, you know, it's a yeah. separate line item on your property tax bill and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like all of this stuff is it's like it, you know, it. this is just like words on paper this is all this is all like we make up these rules you know like the entire civil rights movement was based on challenging things that were rules that were you know you can't you can't vote you can't vote unless you pass this insane literacy exam like you you know like just because it's the rule just because it's the law it doesn't mean that it's right or moral or desirable or better for our society so um or above being changed yeah (laughs) right (laughs) oh you know uh yeah no i hear you i and we were talking about this before you came in uh i was anyway the story in the sun times today which just illustrates the point you were making uh france bielman's story about how uh, mayor Lori lightfoot uh, kicked back 300 million dollars of tiff money uh, bragged about it to the taxing bodies 160 million of it went to the schools but then she took back 60 million i think it was to pay for uh pensions pension obligations and then uh, there was oh by the way she took 33 million from the public schools to pay police to pay for police that are in the schools in other words the money just flows around and around and uh, and whenever yeah, some- thirty the thirty three million dollars to the police in the schools that 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 should really you know your head should really be popping off and rolling into the gutter because the the math there is like crazy right because like police officers who are city employees who then go work in the schools so then they become they they get paid through the school district budget which is a separate budget even though it's controlled by the city. So the, yeah, the math, the math, like the, the numbers just float from one side of the paper to the other, you know, the, the pots of money from which, uh, these, the, the, the these expenses are, are, are paid for are, you know, are switched around. It's like, but the, you know, we know the money is there. Otherwise they wouldn't be offering it to Lincoln Yards. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> or Jeff Bezos or the 78 folks like that. Clearly there's some kind of money anticipated there. Yeah, and by the way, you know what I kind of feel sorry for, just in a minimal, little, little way, are the reporters who are sitting there trying to make sense. And you've been there. I know you've hey, been there. You, I, these, these people, yes, they're, they're... These numbers just go flying at you, and you're just yeah, trying to... it's act. very hard. It's very hard. I always tell people, uh, 101 of basic reporting, just, like, add up the totals and make sure uh, they reach the, the total that they say it's going to be. I remember that when we were negotiating a contract, one time uh, uh, one of the representatives that we were negotiating with came in and said, there's all these deficits uh, in our budget, and it totals up to, uh, I forget what the, the um, amount was. Let's say it was $50 million. I can't remember. And so the first thing I did was I took a look at all the numbers on the piece of paper they gave it to see if it added up to $50 million. I go, well, guys, at least you got the numbers to add up to $50 million. I don't know if they're true or not. I got a little chuckle at the uh, negotiating board. By the way, that's the other. Oh, D, you have more, you have more updates to pay. Well, we just got one more uh, here piece of audio from Mayor Lightfoot's press conference. All right. The CTU's bargaining team continues to move the goalpost and bring in more issues that do not belong in any collective bargaining contract. They have now informed us that they want us to bargain over several other matters that are legislative and matters in nature, not contract issues. For example, they're demanding that I support a specific bill about an elected school board, a bill that I fundamentally think is flawed and rejected. Look, I make clear many times that I support an elected representative school board. But that is a citywide conversation that must be had. It is a policy that must be changed through the legislative process in Springfield and with many stakeholders at the table, not just the CTU leadership. They also want to negotiate over a change to the state labor law that governs what issues the union can strike over. Again, this is a legislative issue, not a contract issue. 
Are we really keeping our kids out of class unless I agree to support the CTU's full political agenda wholesale? If the CTU wants a deal, there's a deal to be had right now on the table. It's an excellent offer that will bring unprecedented equity-focused investments to our school system. I just think it's very interesting how this, it's like she's saying all this as if the, the, you know, the teachers union leaders on the other side of the table don't know what they're talking about. Like this, this, what she just said, I feel, I feel like it, like the, the idea is that you, you know, you, you broadcast this to the wider population. The teachers union is asking for the stuff that we have, like, that doesn't belong at the negotiating table. So it sort of makes the teachers union look really I don't know, out of touch or dumb or whatever, like something, something, something like that, that, that there's some, they're not speaking the same language, but like, if this is actually what's happening at the bargaining table, they're not bringing this stuff in there. Not no, like, it's not like the, the Stacy and, and G, Jesse Sharkey and all these people don't know that these aren't issues that are traditionally part of the contract. If they're talking about it at the bargaining table, that means that they see an opportunity in this moment to get some, to get some fundamental systemic changes happening here that they're usually they're using their moment of leverage over you know over the city over over this you know the city leaders to try to get them to move in in what they see as the right direction and it's i just find it like it's so i don't know i mean i understand the, the kind of political gamesmanship of bringing up the kids and you know talking about how this is this is keeping our kids out of out of class because you know these 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 uh, th these union leaders are completely out of touch and sort of ha have completely detached themselves from the issues of the day. It makes them sound crazy, but like like <laughs> a lot of our children are already like l in situations where the schools are completely broken, where like there there's just there's like there's it can't get any worse. You know, like they've already, you know, survived school closures and had to move to new schools that are now, you know, over overtaxed and overcrowded. They don't have the support that they need in terms of, uh, you know, counselors and social workers and nurses and all of that stuff. Like these kids that are being kept out of school for the strike and are losing 10 days of their education. Like if it wasn't, I mean, they're, they've kids in the city have lost years of their education years they've dropped out of school due to city policies that affect their schools P you know people have wound up dead <laughs> these kids kids have wound up dead because of what's happening in our schools so it, it's just i don't know i i guess I'm, I'm not really sure who that rhetoric is aimed at uh I, but I really think it, it must be people who oh, like, have no idea what's going on in a regular neighborhood school in this city. Yeah, I, I, I think if we think about it, we can know who... Um, <laughs> I love when my guest just calls me in the middle of the show. <laughs> phone on silent, <laughs> yeah, man. Come on. Tell you to mute on. the phone, man. I know. It's just, just classic. <laughs> Big Tommy Tresser calling like, while we're doing this show. All right, Tommy. All right, look, here's, here's what I'm saying. There is a narrative that the mayor's people have put out about the uh, teachers union the teachers union is obstinate uh, the teachers union wanted to strike the teachers union wanted to send a match message to lori lightfoot uh because they wanted to let her know that they were there that they existed uh, that even though they supported Tony Prickwick and lost, they were still a force. These are these are talking points that the mayor's people have been putting out uh, for the last, I want to say, at least, I'm losing track of time here, but at least a month, mm -hmm. if not longer. Uh, these are talking points that you could see articulated uh, in the newspapers and the columns of people who support Lori Light's its position and editorials it's in it's in the sun times editorial today it's in the tribune editorial every day uh it's in a tribune column today uh, johnny cass writes about it all the time so these are talking points and so when she when she says what she said it's to reinforce this narrative that the teachers union is not looking out for the best interests of the kids they're looking out for their political interests so who isn't looking out for their political interests 
And if it's not happening during a strike at a bargaining table, these these larger political discussions and arguments, like where is it happening? It's happening in back rooms with Jeff Bezos. It's happening with it, it's happening in legislative meetings and city council meetings that nobody attends. That like we we have it's all politics. Mm-hmm. And the teachers are trying to you know fight a situation in which like state the the way that state run institutions are functioning now is 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 completely warped we've completely uh stopped prioritizing direct funding of services to citizens to 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 residents of 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 our of our city of our state this is like they're, they're fighting a, a larger like they're tr- it's all part of a larger tidal wave of sort of, you know, neoliberal policies that have affected all cities across the country and states and the way that public services are funded. This is, this, they're, they're like, they're like trying to wage a small, you know, battle, uh, like trying to build like a wall of sandbags against the tsunami, basically. And it's like, if not here, where? Where are they going to have more leverage? Where, like, where, where are they going to be able to push this conversation more forcefully? Mm-hmm. The the truth is that I mean, even if they got all that they wanted, it would be so far away from actually solving a lot of these problems. What is like needed. the way, yeah, the way the way that our cities work now is like the only thing that's seen as the the the, the thing that's seen by politicians as the the primary goal is to get capital investment from private entities into the cities Mm -hmm. that is it's like it's like this you know same kind of logic of trickle-down economics like if we if we bring private capital to fill these spaces that have been you know uh, neglected and abandoned by industrial changes by economic changes by you know the real estate bubble whatever like you know we have these swaths of land that aren't generating uh much for the city uh, they're not, they're, they're, and so the solution is like let's bring in private money. Let's sti- let's stimulate uh, private kind of entities, um, big corporations uh, to, to to bring to bring capital into the city. But every time that this happens, it's like what the city has to like prostitute itself essentially. I mean, the, actually, you know what? I'm I'm I take that back because that's really frankly offensive to sex work which is honest work uh this the city is like selling off itself in a way that's that's uh that that's that that doesn't generate any benefit for like what is lincoln yards gonna do for you know the 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 49 third graders at gresham elementary what what did what did millennium park do for them what did maggie daly park do for do about this problem or the 606 or the 606 you know what what like what who connection is this? it doesn't have to the reality of the world we keep, facing, right yeah. we keep being sold this narrative that if we just let these let the private money stream into the city that is going to solve all of our problems like it's not solving the problems of the 49 third graders at gresham elementary or their or their teachers mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking no. of, Stephen weighed in and said Ben should be 49 third graders for Halloween. That would really drive the class size crisis home for all the people out there. Uh, I, or a harried teacher trying to uh, make uh, keep order and sense uh, and I teach mean, kids. I, honestly, it's a really great idea. I mean, I'm sure that there are enough <laughs> listeners of this show that could uh, volunteer their children to just be in a gaggle oh around God. Ben for a few hours on Halloween. Could you imagine 49 kids in this room they couldn't a fire fit hazard. in this room yeah yeah no but, and it's third graders right so like what what are you supposed to you know you got to teach them like you know like math math yeah, yeah you got like <laughs> that's hard you know, enough long division for me. Yeah. is that what you learn in third grade like oh, i'm pretty sure long you, division i don't know it's been is that so, a little too early you know in what? russia you learn it in third can, grade can i just say something my <laughs> Third grade was closer to one of us than the other one, so third grade was a lot further along. I actually ago. never went to third grade. Would you skip it? Yeah, because I was old when I moved oh. to America. I was old enough to go to fourth grade. She, she uh, knew what fungible meant when she was in second grade. <laughs> I didn't learn that till some Rob guy told me. Look, uh, here's the other thing: when I listened to Lori Lightfoot's comments, first of all, uh, as Maya knows, we sat through negotiations. Lord knows what 
if if they did mention uh, the board of uh, if they did mention the elected school board bill uh, or the language in the contract that uh, determines what they can strike for, I don't know what the context was. So I've been in union negotiations where people get on tangents out of frustration because they can't get the other side to agree. And the next thing you know, things are said by one person on one side of the table that they probably shouldn't have said. I can remember some comments regarding our negotiator that the other side said that was kind of nasty and low. And uh, so think it's tense. So I don't know what the context was when they said it, but I, I will say this, what the... What that dramatizes to me, Maya, on top of everything else that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. is the total lack of communication between the Chicago Teachers Union and Lori Lightfoot. Let's just think about it. This is a very real issue that the Chicago Teachers Union has been uh, championing for many years, an elected school board. Lori Lightfoot ran on that issue. Uh, She said she wanted an elected school board. Now, as we all know, the Chicago Teachers Union endorsed Tony Prickwinkle. I believe they overplayed their hand in that endorsement and went far too strong for her uh, than she warranted and uh, used a lot of rhetoric in regards to Lori Lightfoot that was probably come back to haunt them because that's probably why she doesn't like them. But the reality is this, they're all grownups and they should have had a meeting like within a month if not sooner, to talk about what do they have in common, what's on their agenda that they have in common, and at the top of that list would be an elected school board. Quite clearly, that meeting was not held. So this is to your point. They're raising issues right now at a negotiating table. Maybe. We don't know really what's being raised because we're just going on what one side says. But let's say it's true. They're raising issues that should have been discussed in terms of just like general political conversations. That people yeah. have with one another. Obviously, that conversation was was not held. Obviously, there was no connection between one of the largest, most significant public workers employees union in the city of Chicago and the newly elected mayor of the city of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like, I also feel like it's. The teachers are probably never going to get the thanks they deserve for actually tr- trying to use their moment of leverage to fight on these bigger issues because you know who 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 else is is like trying to fundamentally uh kind of challenge or somehow shift or 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 just poke at this 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 larger systemic problem here that is tied up with laws in springfield that is tied up with like you know other kind of siloed issues but like what other union is at the table with the city trying to get you know trying to push the city on these issues that uh, you know i think a lot of people in the city think it's messed up that there's you know all this TIF money is 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 going to these private developers at sterling bay and stuff like the same people who are outraged about the TIF deals are now saying oh but like the teachers are inappropriately demanding uh you know changes in how schools are funded or changes in how budgeting is happening on a city level and that has nothing to do with their contract it's like who who else is going to do it what do you think the police union is going to bring that up in their negotiations are the firefighters doing it like are the you know are the are the other whatever the AFSCME or the city the city worker you know clerical worker unions are they fighting on that issue um you know well, no, clearly, yeah, though, that's a valid I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, clearly, I'm not trying to, like, t- totally trash other unions, but I'm just saying I don't see other unions, like, who who, who else is going to do this? Because what you're up against is, like, massive lobbying and 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 massive amounts of, of money from private interests who push our legislators on the state and county and city levels to make laws and rules that are beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. This- no, this, I listen, I agree with you. Listen, this is clearly a moment where the needs of a teacher in a classroom merge with the needs of the children in her, his or her classroom. So mm-hmm. in other words, it's not in the teacher's best interest to have 49 kids in a third grade class. Or the students. Right, <laughs> or the students. So the two needs merge. And so what the teachers are saying to the city of Chicago is that you have to allocate more money to the schools to deal with this. Now, a similar situation, I can make this argument, if I was the head of the Fraternal Order of Police, Think about that for a moment. Me as the head of the Fraternal Order of Police would be to say when Hell you sit freeze over. when you say to the city of Chicago, you need to invest more money in mental health clinics because we're dealing with people who are losing their minds all the time. We are not equipped 
as police officers to deal with people who are crazy or are having breakdowns. And we shouldn't have to have to deal with that. There, there should be a mechanism in the city of Chicago that alleviates us of that responsibility so that we're not going into a situation where crazy people are fighting and have lost control of themselves. There should be social workers or counselors or more mental health facilities. That would be a similar situation. I can't imagine it happening, but you know what? Under a different set of circumstances, it would happen. Think about all the, the police uh, employees who are having their own fundamental issues with mental health, the number of suicides that police are. These are yeah. interchangeable issues. So to, to your point, it would be as though the police union, instead of just concentrating on things like how much pay they get, what vacation time they or get. Kind, what kind pension, of protections they have per- in their contract to shield them from misconduct allegations. All that too. Yeah. They talked about these larger issues that make the day-to-day life of a police officer that much more difficult. Right. And yeah, so I, I'm with you. I give the teachers credit uh, for raising these issues. And, you know, it's funny. They get criticized. Maya, I've seen this criticism in the mainstream press. Like when they talk about more nurses and uh, librarians, then people will say, well, they just want more jobs. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I really uh, can't win. I, I, I've heard this a lot. It's like that the union that really what the teachers union is fighting for is more members for the Chicago Teachers Union. They just want more members. The labor union, the labor movement is dying and they just need more members. Uh, Listen, I I haven't heard a single teacher. I've talked to like dozens of teachers since the strike started. I haven't heard a single teacher say anything about worrying about the, 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 the sort of disappearance of their union as a central issue here. They, they cannot do right by their students if they've got 38 second graders in a class. They can't. And half of them have special needs or a quarter of them have special needs and they need clothing and they need food because they don't have food at home. They're homeless. Like it's, yeah, again, like the, re- the rhetoric of people who, who really just don't don't know teachers, don't spend time with teachers that teach at regular neighborhood schools, uh, and certainly, you know, aren't sending their kids to schools in which, you know, By the way, they're our, in a class of 38 uh, peers our, in second grade. Our worlds all sort of came together this morning at the teacher's uh, stage of March uh, to Lincoln Yards mm-hmm. to the little soccer field that's uh, right across the street from the hideout, Yeah, uh, and uh, which is it just like a delightful little twist uh, from the whole Lincoln Yard situation because um, <laughs> I know a lot of people in a lot of neighborhoods all over the city of Chicago want more money spent on recreation, more money spent on uh, one of my pet uh, crusades for years was more indoor running tracks. Uh, I was just talking to Conrad Worrell where there's one that's under construction on the far south side. That's it, one public. Uh, so we don't have any at the moment. Uh, and yet as a byproduct of the Lincoln Yards product, follow me on this, uh, it's in between the time when they got the money or they got the contract to deal with the city to fund the project. And when they actually get started with the project, uh, they removed the old municipal fleet facility that was across the street from the hideout and they've temporarily placed it. Uh, with a soccer field. And uh, so the teachers had their uh, organizing uh, a rally there today at that soccer field. Yeah. So the soccer field's probably being put to good use. Cool. Uh, my, I could see my next guest figured things out. Tom Tresher calling me in the middle of the show. Um, clearly, uh, Tom didn't quite understand things. We're going to bring him on. But before we do that, I, w- I want to change the subject briefly. You- well, wait. Speaking of the hideout. Oh, yeah. Next Tuesday at 6.30... It's the first first Tuesdays with Maya and Ben. Mick has, Mick, <laughs> Mick has passed on the baton. Uh, you and I are going to be talking more about the teacher strike with Stacey Davis Gates. Uh, ben, please accept my Facebook invitation <laughs> to be a co-host on the Facebook ah. event page so you can then spread the word to your network. Okay. I'm putting you on blast on the air. Well, you know, Mick uh, Dumkey used to do the same thing. Just so you know, yeah. there's well, some so similarities. Now, yeah, please, please Wait, do can that. can I do that right now while yeah. we're on the phone? Well, oh, yeah, while we're on the air. Go for it. That's awesome. Uh, Great podcast. do that when we're uh, at the break? Uh, yeah, you can please, show me Dennis, how to do Dennis, please make sure he does that. No, no, we'll so, do it at the break. Maya can show me. Okay. A millennial leading the way. Perfect. So, uh, and the second thing is I just want to encourage everyone to 
check out The Reader this week or online tonight or tomorrow for my story about the strange case of recording equipment in Chicago's eviction courtrooms, which it took years of lobbying by a bunch of groups who care about equal access to justice in this county to get recording equipment into the eviction courtrooms that's in Chicago at the Daily Center, which processed like 20,000 cases a year. Uh, in the early 2000s, there were all kinds of budget cuts, and they took out the recording equipment. There were no court reporters there. And so no records were being created of these cases. So if somebody wanted to appeal, they couldn't do it, really, mm -hmm. uh, because there was no transcript. So finally... The state allocated like $370,000 for this equipment and they started installing it back in like, you know, June. And I, you know, that joke about like how many, whoever does it take to install a light bulb? <laughs> this is like that kind of situation where they, they, it spent, they took them f like four months to install microphones in, uh, in five courtrooms. And then for like another month, the like the the recording lights were on, but no recordings were being made because of some kind of software problem or something. And I started, I heard about this a couple of weeks ago. I started calling around about this last week and asking judges about it. And magically, as of last Friday, everything is working finally. So now for the first time in like 16 years, a record is being created of every eviction case that's that's happening in, in, in uh, Chicago courtrooms. And um, the power the the article press. explains the article explains why we should care about it so all right check and uh check that one out and finally before you go uh lindy west in the new york times on sunday the uh, columnist new york times columnist wrote an essay which i read about how 90s pop culture has led to donald trump the essay was filled with references to 90s pop culture that eluded me although i did recognize a few of the names paul rudd is uh, uh, referred to. Way to go. Uh, That's yeah. great. Yeah, I know. I recently didn't know who Paul Rudd was, and I realized that I knew who he was all along, but I just didn't, you know, I couldn't put the face to the name. But it, it, it's a, um, I actually agree with the main uh, thrust of the essay. I don't know if you do. It's what we were going to have a chance to talk about it. And that is that there was this scornful attitude uh, emanating from much of pop culture in the 90s. And I think it comes, it's, it, it, it's gone in the O's as well. Uh, that people who are involved in social movements are somehow or other uh, social geeks and misfits who are just doing that because uh, they're not with the cool crowd. And uh, it, it's, it's like this theme that you, you take somebody who's really into saving the environment and you make fun of them. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Tree huggers. Tree and huggers, that kind of thing. And that was her theme of the essay. And then she used all these examples from all these different movies. I think Paul Rudd was in, um, uh, uh, the, I, forget, I don't have the paper in front of me, but he was in that movie with, uh, that dealt with the uh, mean girls or something like that in uh, uh, some high school. I forget the ten, name of the high school. 10 Things I Hate About You? No. He was in Clueless. 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 Yeah. That's me. I'm clueless about 90s yeah. pop. Look at, saw all those movies back in the day. Thank you. Clueless. He let me, by the way, uh, hang there for about a minute before he came to my rescue. Oh, you mean Clueless, Ben? Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, Clueless. So, yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, I just think that it's, 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 I mean, it's like a, you know, I see, I see where the analysis comes, comes from, but I think that like, it's, it, the, the, the pop culture was just like a symptom of a wider, uh, I think, phenomenon in American life in the 90s, which is like this, you know, post-Cold War, end of history type, type attitude of like, there's nothing, you know, the Soviet Union is defeated, there's really nothing left to be fighting. This was like that window of time between 1991 and 2001, before you got, you know, got like, now the terrorists are the enemies, uh, the, 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 that, that window of time in which like, this this the 90s was like a magical moment in american culture because it wasn't just in 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 movies and cartoons and and pop culture that you had this sense that like everything is fine and the people fighting for some kind of change are just you know uh you know just kind of off the deep end or misfits or whatever you you had the same sense in in uh you know in politics in um in a lot of other corners of society. And she's right to point out that like, this is really, we're talking about white culture and white and white people. Cause like yeah, people, true. lots of people in America were, had no choice but to fight in the nineties. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, 
I encourage people to check out. It's kind of a fun little essay. It's a fun little essay. All right, Maya, thank you so much. Tom Tresser uh, on oh, deck. Maya, before you go, uh, Bruce Rauner would like to say something. Oh, Yay wait. for our teachers! <laughs> Yay for our teachers! She loves it. I, I love it. I love it. Maya and I, one more time, will be at the hideout uh, next Tuesday, November 5th, uh, 6.30 p.m. and uh, 1354 West Wabansia, and we're going to take a break. We're going to bring Tom Tresser on, and while we're at the break, Maya's going to teach me how to do that Facebook thing so uh, more people can right. okay. <laughs> show up. So. Uh, uh, we'll take a break. Bring Tom Tresser on. See, we'll be right back. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. While Ben learns about Facebook, I want to tell all of you about the new Sun-Times political web series. Well, I say new. Same show, just a different format. It's the Fran Spielman Show, and it's now available as a podcast. That's right. Fran Spielman is our studio roommate, and she features weekly interviews with the lawmakers, journalists, and others who are shaping our city. Oh, look at Ben. He's learning. Okay, that's how you do it, Ben. Yeah, post that thing on Facebook. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties right uh, now with the D. <laughs> I think that's uh, the show's slogan by now. And now you can listen to her show, Fran Spielman, on all, that's A-L-L, all of your favorite podcast apps. Hey, Fran holds nothing back. She goes deep into City Hall to bring you the real scoop on Chicago politics. So head to City Hall with Fran and get even more great political coverage from the Chicago Sun Times. Listen and subscribe now at suntimes.com forward slash Fran, F R A N hyphen show. That's suntimes.com forward slash Fran hyphen S H O W. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Jeff Manuel. 